Hello, this is Kim Paris, and I'm here. Um, haven't been on the Silent Women's Club in a little while. And uh, being as it's this Saturday before Mother's Day, I wanted to come on and talk to you and encourage you all today, uh, tomorrow. And frankly, um, this Mother's Day 2000 weekend, 2019, has been a bit of a struggle for me. I'm not exactly sure why, um, but it's been a bit of a struggle for me, and I'm anticipating a beautiful day tomorrow. In the meantime, I know that it's been a struggle for some of you as well, and I've been on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, and I've seen all of the messages that people are writing to encourage, and there are articles out there for people, women, who've lost, or parents who've lost children, and encouraging us this weekend to be strong. But I wanted to um, make sure that I took time to come to you on the Silent Women's Club uh, to talk to you, mothers, fathers who've lost children, and to you, friends, um, loved ones, to encourage you to encourage a person, a friend, a mother, an aunt, a sister, a um, coworker, just um, a member of your church, uh, and even fathers who have lost children. So today I'm going to do something a little bit different than what I typically do. And that is, I wanted to read um, from my book, Sunshine and Daniel, Seeking Grace and Lost Motherhood. And actually, I want to read from the afterword. I'm going to read the whole thing. It will be a little bit of a, probably a bit of a long message today, but I think it will encourage someone. And we're coming from Second Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. And that says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most glad weakness, most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. That is my favorite scripture. It is also um, the scripture that has guided me through the losses of my children. It is also the scripture that I encourage you to read and to understand for yourself, knowing that you indeed are strong. So I'm going to read and hopefully you'll stay with me through the reading of this portion of Sunshine and Daniel. Today is Mother's Day, a day I've hated for many years. Initially, I hated it because I was not a mother. I hated watching my friends and other women being treated like queens while I was ignored and overlooked. After I admitted to myself how much I wanted my sunshine, I began to hate Mother's Day because I was not with my child. He had been taken from me. He had been sacrificed and killed. After losing Daniel, I hated Mother's Day because it just seemed like a cruel joke. I wanted to have another chance to be his mother or someone's mother, yet I could find no one to get me pregnant. I asked a couple of friends to consider fathering my child and their responses told me that this was not a good idea, but I wanted to be a mother desperately. Once I found out that I could not be a mother, I hated Mother's Day because it reminded me not just that I was not a mother, but that I would never be a mother. 
Each year, Mother's Day came. Each year, I hated it because it became a day when people said the stupidest things to me. You're a cat mommy. Godmothers are mothers too. Well, I'm going to say Happy Mother's Day to you anyway. You have been like a mother to so many. And on and on. Sure, these people meant well, but their words only reignited the despair in my heart. Their words reminded me that I was not worthy to be called mother. Most people had no idea about my story or the children who had been in my womb. They did not know that I was a mother of two children who did not make it to live birth. They didn't know about the despair and desperation I experienced year after year. They didn't know about the ridiculous things I tried with the most inappropriate and undesirable men just for the chance to be called mother. They didn't know about the days I cried, begging God to please let me get pregnant and allow my pregnancy to succeed to birth. The times I prayed that I was no longer the misfit who had a prolapsed uterus prone to fibroids that couldn't carry a baby to term. I felt like people could see all of this when I entered a room, as if I carried the scarlet letter on my chest. Only instead of the letter, letter A for adulteress, I carried the letter F for failure. I failed at pregnancy. I failed at carrying to term. I failed at protecting my babies. I failed at fertility. A big fat failure. In 2009, my selfish Mother Day pity parties took another drastic turn when my own mother passed away. For years, I took my mother for granted. Like most, I celebrated her on Mother's Day and I made sure she knew she was loved, but I spent so much time living in my pain that I neglected her. I should have been living in the presence of my mom, the presence of the motherhood that existed in my life. The Mother's Day that followed her death was suffocating. I hated Mother's Day all the more. That day, a dear friend invited me to come to celebrate with her family. It was a great time. But when I got home, I was reflective, realizing how blessed I'd been to have gone through the loss of my sunshine and Daniel with my own mom. I wanted to tell her that now. I wanted to tell her that I understood what she had done for me. I wish to say thank you for mothering as best she knew how. Reflecting on her, I recalled how she shined when I learned I was pregnant with Daniel. I was unsure what to do, excuse me, what to do, this being the second time I would have to tell her that I'm pregnant. I made the call expecting the disappointment of about 20 years prior. I'm pregnant. She said, I know. You know? Yes, I know, she said. How do you know? I was mesmerized by her words. Had Timothy called and told her, why would he have done that? Mothers know things about their children. You will see when you become a mother. You will see, Kim, you will be a good mother. I could not speak. My mom just said something that in my wildest dreams, I didn't think I'd ever hear her say. She said she believed I would be a good mother. Tears streamed down my face with ease. I was proud, relieved, and encouraged. I thought I could be a good mother. I wanted to be, and now with my mom's pledge, I truly believed I could be. That's why when it was announced that Daniel was coming four months too early, my mother's disappointment hung in the delivery room air like a cloud of doom. I watched her walk out of the room just before the delivery. She couldn't bear to see me go through the pain. 
She couldn't bear to watch her grandchild die. She had already seen her mother, husband, and son die. This little baby that I wanted and that I believe she wanted would not pass by her eyes when he would never pass through her arms. She, was, she never saw him. She never saw Daniel. But what she did one night, less than a week later, showed me what the power of a mother's love could do. How a mother could give her child to God in only her most nurturing and compassionate way. After I begged Timothy to stay with me, my mother took over when he left. She planted a chair in my bedroom right at the foot of my bed. She sat there and watched me until I cried myself to sleep. She didn't let me run back to the hospital to retrieve my son's body. She didn't let me cut my wrist. She didn't let me cover my face to suffocate under my tear-soaked pillow. She didn't let me drown in my tears. My mom just let me talk and ask those unanswerable questions and cry into the wee hours of the night until I finally slept. All night and much of the next two days, she sat in that chair and stayed with me. There wasn't much for her to say during those days. Her job was to keep watch, making sure I bathed and ate, making sure visitors stayed away right now. She let me let go. My mother was what I needed. She knew it. I knew it. Timothy too, I guess. My mother loved me as only a mother who knows the needs of her daughter could do and would do. And at the right time, she went home. She loved me through it. She loved me through it. You don't look like what you've been through. This is the statement I heard today on Mother's Day after I shared a little information about my sunshine and my Daniel. This one statement startles me, partly because when I look in the mirror, I see the stains on my cheeks of every tear I've cried for my two little ones. I see every heartache that wished to hold them, feed them, burp them, change them, comfort them. I see the teenager who naively yielded to abortion. I see the young woman who wanted to cross her legs hard enough and long enough to keep that little boy in her womb for just eight more weeks. I see the woman who cried for hours on end when she realized that any chance of ever having her own child was gone forever. I remember the hurtful, judgmental looks of older women who, knowing nothing of my story, believed I did not have children because I was chasing my career. I recalled the neighbor who asked me if I was too good to stop succeeding in my career to have a child, or was I going to order a baby like the local TV news anchor who had artificial insemination? You don't look like what you've been through. Praise God. I'm grateful. If I don't look like what I've been through, that I've been through all of this, or that being a mother was one thing I wanted my whole life, then I cannot claim any responsibility for the fact that I don't look like the things I've shared in this book. If it's true that I don't look like what I've been through and what I've described, then there is one reason for that. His name is Jesus Christ. He is my healer and comforter. He is my refuge and rock. He is the receiver of my babies and all my hopes and dreams. 
It was to him I ran each time I lost a child, each time I tried to get pregnant, each time I learned that I was not again. And when I learned that I would never again, it was to him I turned to ask why. It was to him I demanded to know why. It was to him I aimed my indictments. I yelled at him. I begged him. I accused him. I cursed him. I argued at him. I hated him. I went through periods of studying every mother in the Bible. I believed I was each of them. I did all I could to learn from them. I closed my eyes tight to try to see them and to ascribe their lives unto mine. I tried to have their attitudes, their faith. I tried and I tried. Honestly, I gave up more often than that. Throwing things was normal. Refusing to believe it would get better was the looming default of my mind. I wrestled with the Bible and wondered how it could possibly speak to my heart and my life. Being a childless mother on Mother's Day and gentle and patient with people who made those ridiculous statements was furthest from my mind. Believing that God loved me was as inconceivable as my empty womb. Until it wasn't anymore. When I stopped trying to understand and stopped trying to reconcile my circumstances with what should have been according to my life plan, I started living again. I started loving children who were not mine. I started opening my heart and my home to other mothers' children. I started hugging people. I started smiling at people. And I started to let God be right. When he asked me that question, even then, he was right. Of course, he had always been right about everything. It took some time, however, for my faith to catch up with his righteousness. When I stopped trying to rationalize what happened in my life, I was open to just being loved by him. Logic was not in control anymore. Reason didn't matter. My plans were abolished. Other women's motherhood was of no consequence to me. It was just me and him. Him and me. His love and my growing need for it. That's when I heard him say, I love you. Sure, he'd said it before. It had always been there in the Bible, in each of the stories of the women there. My own life told me many times he loved me. His sacrifice on Calvary told me he loved me. This me and him time, however, told me he loved me like none had before. Yet he didn't just say he loved me. He also said deep into my spirit, my grace is sufficient for your life, Kim. My strength is at its perfect best when you're a weak mess. That's my version of 2 Corinthians 12, 9. I cannot find the words to explain how I knew this scripture was for me at this time in my life, but it seemed there was no other word that mattered. The words came off the page of that old Bible and gripped and massaged and soothed my wounded, aching, dysfunctional heart in its hand. It said in my ears, Mouth, blood, fingers, toes, and tears that God's love, joy, and favor were right there with me to give me the strength I needed to keep going. I didn't need to give up. I just needed to give it all over to him. To no longer hold on to the anger, 
jealousy, and confusion that had been my three best friends since Daniel died and had turned up their influence on me when my mom died. I could stop meeting them at the bedside most nights. I could stop carrying them on my back throughout the day. I could stop listening for them for guidance and direction. I could instead drop them off on the nearest curb because God's grace had reintroduced herself to me and showed me what a true friend does. She'd always been there, but she was now taking lead in my life because I was finally willing to let her. You see, Grace was a great, a gentle woman. She waited on me. She had always been around in every situation, standing out of the way while close enough to step forward at the first sign of me stepping backward. She was not presumptuous, but proper and decent. She was like Anna, the old prophetess who waited at the temple for years just to see the Messiah. She didn't step into the spotlight until Jesus was born. And she could, and she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake him to him to all of them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Luke 2:38. That is how grace was in my life, and she had not stopped being that way for me. She waited for years for the right time to instantaneously make herself known to me. She was there when I was raped and scared. She was there when I was 18 and learned I was pregnant. She was there when my sunshine's light dimmed. She was there in the waiting room at the doctor's office as I observed pregnant woman after pregnant woman walk by with their 38 week full bellies while in my heart I knew something was wrong with my pregnancy and my Daniel. She held my tongue when the doctor lacked compassion and I was sure the treatment I received was substandard. Grace spoke for me when I sat next to Timothy at the grave site over a month after Daniel died. She selected silence for me when I could only think of exactly the wrong words to say. Though it was too many weeks too late to just now bury him, Grace kept me in that chair during the service, hushed though demure. She was there when I returned to work, guiding my words when co-workers asked how I was doing. She was there when I returned to church, standing in the sanctuary for me as I lifted my hands, clapped, and shouted in triumph. I had always felt Grace in my life, but one day... I understood who she was and why she was there. She held my hand when it shook with uncertainty of whether I could make it or not. She breathed for me. She smiled for me. She held me up. She sat at the end of the bed after my mother left to return home. Years later, when my mother died, Grace laid in the bed beside me and held me close. Grace kept my mind on God and not on depression. She was that miraculous guardian who drove me home from the doctor's office when I learned I could never, ever be a mother. Over time, Grace has uncovered joy, peace, and the beauty of life. Throughout my life, with all its hurts, pains, and disappointments, Grace has shown me the blessing in my losses. Because I had no strength to undo or redo any of it, Grace has changed the lens through which I view my life. 
She's shown me how God has been there all the time in her work, but I never noticed the two of them before. She showed me how he caught me over and over again, but I had wiggled my way back to negative thinking and a warped accounting of events. Grace has shown me a better way of seeing, a better way of doing, a better way of being. You see, the way of grace is to let grace have her way. Let her handle it when I cannot. Let her take the helm when I don't understand. Give her the steering wheel when my tires are churning out of control. She stood before me so often that one day I let her stay there. She has been in front of me ever since. Grace stood tall for me today on Mother's Day. And today, again, I let her have her way. She gave me a wonderfully joyous day today. She's amazing, that Grace. My friends, hi, Michelle, my friends, have a happy Mother's Day. It may be tough, but know that you are strong and that God's grace is sufficient. Happy Mother's Day. And to all the mothers who have lost children, know that you are blessed. Be well, be blessed, and trust the Savior. Take care.